Well, I'm Jonathan Sheffron. I'm here with Jerry Bates for episode four of our Glimpsing the Glory of God series. And, and today's topic is the one who never changes and the immutability of God. So, Jerry, I'm going to let you kind of introduce this topic to us. All right. Uh, again, uh, this is another wonderful attribute of God. I'll have to admit that there isn't an attribute of God. <laughs> We're not getting to the second class attributes next week. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. <laughs> this, there's not an attribute of God that I don't think is wonderful. That's good. <laughs> uh, but again, this one, they're wonderful though. They're like uh, um, facets in a diamond. They're, they're independent, yet they're each one wonderful in their own sense. Mm-hmm. This particular one uh, is his immutability. And what do we mean by that? Well, immutability means that he is unchanging. In other words, he is unchanging in his being and in his perfections and his purposes and his promises, yet he does act and feel emotions. Hmm. In fact, he acts and feels differently in response to different situations. And uh, an example of that is 1 Samuel 15.10, where Samuel uh, has told Saul that God wants him to go after the Amalekites and eliminate them. And Saul fails to do that uh, completely. And God tells Samuel, I regret Hmm. that I made Saul king. Well, regret's an emotion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what we fail to comprehend there is, is that God is emotionally involved with us. Hmm. Now, why would he regret? He regrets because he loves Saul. Uh, hmm. You regret what people you love do yeah. <laughs> wrong. And yeah. so he's he's actively emotionally involved with us. That's He has emotions. Uh, we have emotions. Hmm. Why? Hmm. Because we're created in his image, and that enables us to interact with each other, uh, with him yeah. uh, and us. Psalm 102 contrasts the things we often think of as permanent on the one hand, and on God on the other hand. And Psalm 102 says, and this is also quoted in Hebrews uh, as well, this particular psalm uh, in Hebrews 1. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you endure. Hmm. They will all wear out like a garment. You change them like a garment, and they pass away. But you are the same and your years have no end. Uh, and then, of course, James 1.17 says, again, deals with his immutability when he says that God is the Father of lights with whom there is no variation hmm. or shifting shadows. And again, Hebrews 13.8 also declares that, uh, that he declares of God the, the, the Son when he says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you think about that cuz you think, you know, I'm not the same today that I was in college. And so this is a this is an attribute that really is not one that we have cuz we are a changing. The person that I married is I mean Sarah is not the same person she is today that she was when I married her. She's way more in love with Jesus and way more beautiful and she's improving and um but just a different person mm-hmm. um than than I am today. And so uh, this is really interesting about this attribute of God that we don't share. Well, yeah, he's immutable, and we're very mutable. <laughs> yeah, we change all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in other words, the essence of his essential being never changes. Hmm. His glory never diminishes, never changes, never alters. 
Mm. We started out by talking about glimpsing his glory. Mm -hmm. And this is an aspect of his glory. Uh, He is always love, Mm -hmm. always merciful, always righteous, always just. He always keeps his promises. Mm. See, these are are such tremendous aspects of immutability. Uh, Numbers 23.19. God is not a man that he should change. See, he's, Mm -hmm. he's immutable. Has he not said and will he not do it? And has he not promised? And will he not fulfill it? Why? Why can you bank on that? Because he's immutable. If he says it, he does it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Abraham spent a lifetime learning that. And of course, Paul in Romans 4 points out that Abraham was able to trust the promise of God that he would have descendants, even though he himself was nearly 100 and his wife was had always been barren, mm-hmm. and even if she hadn't been, she was past the age of childbearing. Mm-hmm. But he understood the promises of God, and the promises of God never fail because he's immutable. He doesn't change his mind. Yeah, that, uh, it, when a Christian learns that and begins to understand the truth of that, mm-hmm. uh, his life changes significantly in the way he walks from day to day uh, in this world. Um, Titus 1-2 says God cannot lie. Uh, that, that is, think about that for a minute. God cannot lie. It's not that God won't lie, i.e., mm-hmm. he could, but he just doesn't. No, he can't. He can't lie. When he says something to you, he can't be lying to you. Because it's against his nature. It's contrary to who yeah. he is. Yeah, he can't do it. Because um, he self-limited himself to only speak truth. To lie yeah. would contradict the essence of his being. That's mm-hmm. uh, just that's another example of he's immutable, but we're very mutable. Yeah, right. I mean, we lie through our teeth a lot, you know, all the time because that is not the essence of our being. That's the essence of the flesh. Another, and here's another one. Another tremendous aspect of his immutability is his faithfulness. Again, 2 Timothy 2.13 says that though we may be faithless, yet God remains faithful. Why? Because, Paul says, Mm -hmm. he cannot deny himself. Uh, And again, notice there that uh, that Paul is comparing uh, man with God. In Mm -hmm. other words, mutable man in the sense that though we may be faithless, we are capable of that. Uh, But God remains faithful because he cannot uh, deny himself. Man changes all the time. He changes Mm -hmm. constantly. And because of it, man cannot be trusted. And it says that Jesus in John 2 didn't trust himself to man because he knew what was in man. And this is why we we say, you know, we're not followers of Gary Hutchison. You know, we're not followers of 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 a leader at a particular time and a place. We're followers of Jesus, who is the unchangeable Son of God, you know, and that's why we we speak that way, um, because we do know that man changes, but God will never change. And when we when we start saying, "Oh well, the God of the Old Testament was very different from the God of the New Testament," you're failing to understand the immutability. He's not God 2.0. No, who's <laughs> the newer, friendlier version? Yeah, because he's immutable, mm-hmm. it's a mistake to think that the God revealed in the Old Testament is different God mm-hmm. or different from the God revealed in the New Testament. The Old Testament 
emphasizes the holiness and the wrath and the justice of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, if you are outside of Christ, uh, destruction is what's awaiting you. You know, I started out uh, in this discussion by saying that God called Saul to eliminate the Amalekites. Right. And he was very clear, men, women, children, infants, animals. Mm-hmm. You think, well, that's horrible. That doesn't sound like Jesus. Right. No, but that is the judgment that awaits us all. Um, God's wrath against sin is immutable. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't ease up on his wrath. He, he doesn't. It. He doesn't uh, wink at something. Well, I'm going to let you get away with it this mm-hmm. time. No, his wrath is always wrath against sin. You think that's bad? Go look at Revelation 16, mm-hmm. where a third of the earth is wiped out, mm-hmm. and the angel, after doing it, says. And just and right are you, holy God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had it coming. Okay. Yeah. So it's not any different now than it was uh, in the Old Testament mm-hmm. when we worry about, well, why would God do that? It's because that is the result of wrath against sin. But, and here's where the New Testament comes in, he has made a way of escape. Mm. Yeah. He and, you know, I think, I think just, you know, we, we have so many people in our society says, well, if it's not hurting anybody, you know, if it's between consenting adults, if it's, you know, then why do we make a big issue out of this? And, and sin, God takes very seriously all sin. And if we are not having the blood of Jesus Christ on us because of what he did on the cross mm. on our behalf, um, then this sin from people out in the world, God is going to hold them accountable to that. And, and the wrath of him is a scary, scary um, thing. And so it's we need as a church to not stop talking about sin because God still, um, I mean, God's still a just God. And so we have to continue to speak for him in this society along with the, the way out that Jesus is. Yeah, you'll notice that uh, they say, well, it's, God is a God of wrath and and all that in the Old Testament. He's got a love in the New Testament. Yeah, but the Old Testament talks about his love a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, you know, Psalms frequently talks about the love of God. Exodus yeah. uh, talks about the love of God. Uh, I think Hosea. You know, you look at how, how God again and again came back to his people who again and again rejected him and were unfaithful to him. And he said, this is my heart to you. I keep bringing you back to me. Right. And there's all sorts of love stories where God is in the Old Testament pursuing his people and wooing his people and trying to draw them back to him. And the New Testament talks about wrath and holiness also. Yep. Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And Revelation, as I said earlier, is a picture of the judgment finally coming uh, down that has been stored up for so long mm-hmm. but God has made a way of escape in Christ and that's mm-hmm. the love of God that is also immutable yes. you know, he, he knew what would happen but he made a way of escape uh, I like to analogize it for Christians uh, because our job is to announce the way of escape so mm-hmm. that what must happen at the end or even happens even now you know God has his judgments that fall they're not the final judgment but because he's immutable it happens Mm -hmm. it will happen it's going to happen it happens daily 
but because he's also immutable in his love, mm-hmm. he has made a way of evading and escaping what must happen against sin. And that way out is always available because God's never going to close the door until the final judgment happens. And, and he is not going to be biased in the way he executes the judgment. He right. is uh, He is completely, it's, if it's immutable, uh, it, it is going to, he's not going to play favorites. God isn't going to grade on the curve. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't work that way. But he's made a way out. I used to, when I was in the Navy and talking to sailors about the gospel, sometimes I would like to use an analogy that was within the naval context. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, this world is a ship going down. That's the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. That's the wrath of God. Our job is to get as many people into the mm-hmm. lifeboats as possible. We're not supposed to be rearranging the deck chairs. <laughs> right. Focus on the big, the big issues. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So... If God never changes and God um, is immutable, um, then then how does prayer work here? Because if, if God never changes and His will is always going to happen, and uh, then then why not just say, well, God's will is going to happen, and so why pray? Good question. Uh, and a puzzlement for a lot of people. Uh, I'll have to admit that um, I don't have a complete answer for that. But I do know this, um, and that is that God has um, partnered with his people mm-hmm. uh, so that the our prayer becomes the measure of his power being released. Hmm. Um, he has chosen to allow us to work with him uh, in prayer. Uh, to release his power. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why uh, so much goes on that shouldn't is because his people pray so little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why are we not having revival? He, revival, the history of revival shows that it was always preceded by intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. God initiating uh, with his people to bring about the conditions that then produce supernatural revival. He has chosen, he doesn't have to, mm-hmm. but he has chosen to allow us to participate with him. And we, our prayers do have an effect. See, I think from our perspective, we, we see that effect as almost like he has changed his mind and released something out of heaven. Mm. Uh, I think a, a transcendent God who is outside of creation, eternal, immutable, um, he has not changed. But from my inside creation, inside of time perspective, You know, I think if I'm Abraham talking with God about Lot and talking, you know, okay, God, will you spare this city of Sodom and Gomorrah if there's just 10 believers as he bargains with God? From Abraham's perspective, I think he sees God as interacting with him and changing, even though God really didn't change. Well, what's interesting, too, and here's here's where we get into uh, a difficult thing to comprehend because we're looking at it from the standpoint of finite minds. Mm Mm-hmm. But you bring up Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham in Genesis 18 approaches, I mean, God approaches Abraham and says, Mm -hmm. Shall I tell Abraham, my friend, Hmm. uh, what I'm going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, That the sin has risen to the point that they're at a point of no return. Yeah. And and this is really significant here, too, because... God's immutable wrath is going to be poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Abraham, when he hears what uh, God is planning to do, immediately begins to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's interesting is he is negotiating. <laughs> uh, you know, well, would yeah. you would you wipe them out if there are fifty righteous people there? Mm-hmm. And the Lord says, "No, no, I, I'll, I'll I'll not do that if if I find fifty righteous there." And then Abraham, I suspect, gets to thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm not sure I can find fifty. <laughs> so finally, he says, "Well, yeah. don't get mad now. Don't get mad. But what about if it's forty-five? Mm-hmm. The Lord said, "I'll hold off for forty-five. Abraham says forty, and he gets him down to ten. Hmm. Now, and, and God said, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are ten righteous. Now, you notice that Abraham stopped asking before God stopped giving. Hmm. God didn't say, don't ask another time. Ten's it, boy. Right. That's don't true. ask me again. Yeah. He didn't say that. I think what Abraham did is he figured Lot and his wife and his family ought to make up ten. Hmm. Uh, that's leaning to your own understanding. Sure. Now, what's interesting. interesting there about that is, is that um, God so told Abraham what he was going to do because God's omniscient. God knew what Abraham would do. God knew that Abraham would intercede. Mm-hmm. If he knew he would intercede, if he told him, so why did he tell him? He wanted him to intercede. Right. He didn't want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but his immutable holiness and wrath Hmm. They had gotten to the point where that had to happen. Yeah, but he will listen to the intercessor mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and stop. God reveals himself to two groups of people, I believe. Amos tells us he never does anything that he doesn't tell his prophets. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, What is the purpose of the prophet? He comes in to announce God's impending judgment, and he is seeking repentance. But when the people don't listen to him, hmm. there's another group that God will begin to reveal what he's doing, and that's the intercessor. Hmm. Because I think it's Ezekiel 30. I could be wrong. It might be Ezekiel uh, 22. Uh, Ezekiel, let me see if it's, yeah, um, Ezekiel 22, 30. Uh, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, mm-hmm. but I found no one. In other words, when he gets to the point where his wrath has got to be poured out, he starts looking for an intercessor mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to. That's the love of God. Mm-hmm. And so he will start telling the intercessors Say, Come on, what, what he's doing. That's what he did with Moses yeah. in Exodus. He says, Moses, step back. I'm going to wipe this bunch out and start over with you. And he talked to Moses first. He didn't just right. release the wrath. Why did he tell Moses that? Yeah. Because he knew Moses would intercede. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, why? Because he wanted him to. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to wipe them out. Yeah. You know, There's an interesting interplay between the wrath of God, which is immutable, and the love of God, which is immutable. And we come into that gap in there. How does that work? I don't mm-hmm. know. But I do know that that's clearly displayed in the scripture. Uh, and my one last question, I run into this a lot. I was with a man recently in the hospital, 70 years old, just, I mean, brand new believer. And he said, how can I know that I'm going to heaven? You know, how can I know that God's going to keep his promises? How can I know that, that 
just just believe in Jesus Christ? How can I know that uh, my security is 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 sure? So, what what would you say to somebody, you know, and how God's immutability affects their eternal security? Oh well, that's a good question, uh, and it brings up something else. God's immutability. If they, if an unbeliever understood who He was and His wrath, that would be terrifying. Hmm. Um, but God's immutability from the standpoint of receiving Christ in the gospel is just as comforting. Mm-hmm. Because if he says, place your trust in me and I will protect you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, heaven, in other words, God says, Romans 8 says, those whom he, Romans 8, 20, 30, those whom he called, he justified. Mm-hmm. Those whom he justified, he glorified. It doesn't say some of those he called he justified, right? Or some of those he justified he glorified. If he justified, he glorified. Yeah, because he's immutable. His promise is that if you do what I I say, mm-hmm. and if you fall upon me for mercy, mm-hmm. you have it. All who call upon the Lord will be saved. That's right. Yeah. And because he's immutable, because he cannot lie, if you call upon the Lord. You're safe. You're safe. You will be in heaven. You can be confident of that. It's a great truth. Thank you very much, Jerry. Okay.